what are you really good at? What is that talent that you have that makes you special or maybe even great at something? Think about that for a minute. Good morning. I'm Jeff Geiger. I'm part of the preaching team here at Dallas Church, and I'm excited to see uh, everybody that could make it down to our building today. And also, I want to say hello to all of our online uh, family and friends. Um, It's so good to be with you. I'm glad that we can be a church that uses technology uh, to be together and to celebrate who Jesus is. Um, Today, I'm excited to get to move through the Galatians uh, message series. We have uh, five uh, Galatians sermons, and this is the middle one here during the month of November. So we're going to be in Galatians 3 and 4. But uh, before we get there, I want to thank a couple of groups from this last week. And first is going to be our veterans. Now, veterans are a really big deal uh, in my family. We've got a bunch of them. Uh, My father, uh, my grandfather uh, served in the South Pacific. Uh, Both of my brothers have served and are still serving. Uh, I've got two of my uncles uh, that have served. Uh, Thank you, uncles. And uh, two of my nephews, including uh, my nephew that is uh, still active in the Navy as a petty officer. And so in my family, boy, we are super proud of those guys. And uh, we uh, try to honor them all the time uh, and thank them for their service. And, And for veterans that might be here, if there are any veterans in the building, would you stand? We have any veterans here today? Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, your service to our country. Uh, thank you for your sacrifice so that uh, civilians uh, like this guy uh, can enjoy the, the freedoms uh, and the life that, that uh, we're so blessed to, to live here in the United States. Um, and online, if you're near a veteran, uh, give him a hug. Uh, uh, if that's safe, <laughs> and, uh, and honor them uh, where, where you are too. Um, but veterans are so important. The other group I want to thank is, um, you can see a picture here uh, of some of our uh, youth that came out. We, we actually had about 20 volunteers, youth and adults, that came out last Saturday. We did a little uh, kind of a love your neighbor project here in Dallas. We offered to go rake leaves for people. Uh, maybe you've seen a few leaves around your yard here lately. And so we sent out teams uh, that raked up a bunch of yards in houses near the church building. Uh, We got to go out to help one of our uh, lovely ladies from our church and rake up a little bit of her leaves. (laughs) Uh, You can see some of the kids there. And then we also did some some landscape improvement here on the church grounds. And you guys will get to kind of see the result of that as you you leave today and in the springtime when some of those new flowers and things come up. So I want to thank our teams. You guys are awesome. You came and you gave uh, selflessly some of your time um, to serve uh, our church, but really more the community and help on some of these leaves. And that's, that's the kind of church we want to be. That's the kind of culture that we want to build you know, here at Dallas Church, where, where that comes easily to us. And we're constantly looking for ways to do that kind of stuff. So that's great. Um, so back to you. I asked you a second ago, what are you really good at? What's that talent or that skill that you have that maybe you've spent a lot of time kind of getting better and better at, maybe even great, maybe even to, to get to the point where you might say you've mastered uh, that, that skill or that talent that you have. Well, you know, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, one of my favorite authors, he's a former New York Times reporter. He's written a lot of great books the last 20 years. He does some amazing podcasts too. If you need some uh, uh, podcast material, look up Malcolm Gladwell. Um, 
And he talks about this concept in one of his books, Outliers, that to really get great at something, you need to spend about 10,000 hours on that. That sounds like a long time, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a long time. You think about uh, someone that works full-time at a job, right? If you work full-time at a job, you've got a couple weeks a year of vacation, 50 weeks times about 40 hours a week for a full-time job, that's 2,000 hours a year just working at something, right? So it takes a few years to get to 10,000 hours. And uh, we're going to check out some, some kind of masters in some different fields here on our next slide um, and, and talk about, about that time. You, also, you think about someone that is uh, learning a trade, an electrician, a plumber, a sheet metal installer, and they have to spend time as an apprentice, don't they? Usually for about four or five years, probably about 10,000 hours before they become proficient and really good at that, at that skill. Um, you think about maybe a great athlete or an artist or a chef. Um, here's Michael Jordan up here. In my mind, the greatest basketball player that's ever lived. <laughs> well, Michael, you know, he spent hours and hours on his craft. He was working out all the time like a maniac to be in great shape. He was practicing his jump shot constantly and his defense and his, all of his different uh, footwork and his moves on the court working on his passing and rebounding and stuff. He would watch film and study the opponent so when the Bulls would play somebody like my poor Trailblazers in the 92 finals, he was ready to beat them. <laughs> and, and so Michael Jordan, he had a lot of God-given talent, but boy, he worked at it too. He spent hours and hours and hours to become this, this great athlete that we got to, to watch for so long. Um, I want to thank ESPN, by the way, because you know, here during coronavirus, uh, a lot of us sports fanatics like me, we were, we were jonesing for some sports. <laughs> you know, between March and about July, there was no basketball, no baseball. We didn't know if there was gonna be a football season. And thank you ESPN <laughs> that you sent us the Michael Jordan documentary. How many of you watched The Last Dance? I remember you watched it uh, at home. That was, that was so uh, helpful and, and and inspiring uh, to get to relive some of the, the Michael Jordan glory years. But you know, Michael Jordan, he was a pretty complex and complicated guy too. Uh, had an ego, probably wasn't always easy to be his teammate or, or to coach him uh, with, with all of that greatness. And, and so um, you saw a lot of that, I think, in the documentary too. But uh, let's keep uh, going. Well, maybe some of you guys are uh, Food Network fans. How many Food Network fans do I have out there? online. I love Chopped. I love to watch some of these cooking shows, try to pick up a few tips. I've got a picture here of, uh, of, of Chef uh, Rachel Ray. Any Rachel Ray fans? And then uh, there's Bobby Flay uh, down on the bottom. I didn't mean to make him rhyme like that, but um, you know, it's funny. When you watch these shows on, on the Food Network, it's kind of misleading, isn't it? Because you see maybe Chef Rachel, and she's there with her perfect counter, with the perfect lighting, and she's got the staff that's prepped all the food. It looks beautiful. It's all, you know, in perfect form and, and portioned and everything. And then 20 minutes later, there's this amazing dish that everyone loves. Well, you know, in the real world, it doesn't look like, it doesn't work like that, does it? My, uh, my brother-in-law, Joe, he's a trained culinary chef. Uh, he worked at this prestigious club down in the Bay Area for many years. And, you know, I've talked to him a lot uh, about those, those experiences. And the thing that he talks about is that when you're a chef, 
that there is a real pressure there, especially in a, in a, a nicer restaurant, a, a club with, with standards and expectations. So he would be doing one part of a dish, maybe the sauce or maybe the, the protein or whatever his, his portion was. He would prepare that and everybody else did their part. But before that plate could go out to the customer, who had to sign off on it? That's right, the master chef, the executive chef. It had to get by him or her. And so people like my brother-in-law, boy, that, that was stress. They had to get this plate perfect and ready to go uh, and then get the blessing of what? Of the master before that could go out to a customer to be enjoyed. Um, this picture over here, if you can, if you can see it and, and from online, that is uh, Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. You think about a master painter and all of the time and training and apprenticing that they had to do. Michelangelo uh, started this, this mural, this painting, in 1508. He didn't finish until 1512, uh, over four years later. And, and fun little fact about that, you've probably read, and I have too, or heard, that Michelangelo was laying down when he painted this over the years. It's not true. They had scaffolding and rigging and everything so that he could be standing as he, as he, as he did this. Um, I'm sure it was still difficult. <laughs> but you, know, you see this finished, amazing piece of art that Michelangelo produced. And you're kind of in awe. It's like, oh my gosh, what a, what a master. How incredible. Well, there were a lot of canvases that I'm sure got thrown away. You know, things that didn't quite work out the way he wanted. And a lot of years and hours of training that went into that. Um, you know, you think about someone in college right now. My daughter is a senior and she's going to be graduating in a few months. And, you know, you think about it, getting a bachelor's degree and going through that process of four or five years of throwing your whole heart and soul into, into this goal, you know, that probably takes about 10,000 hours worth of you to earn that. My niece is going through that right now too. And so uh, there's, a, there's a dedication and a, and a time spent uh, to earn uh, this, this achievement or that skill or that uh, using that talent in a certain way. And the last picture I wanna share um, up here, if you notice the uh, fishing boat, uh, it has a couple of good looking dudes there in, in that. I took that picture about two years ago uh, that's uh, Mike Morris, who's a, a member of our church. I don't think Mike's here right now. And then my brother-in-law. Uh, Mike took us out of Newport a couple of years ago, uh, and it was a great day. We found some Chinook that day. We got a bunch of crab. Uh, and just getting to be around Mike is always awesome. <laughs> but the reason I've got Mike up there is because, in my mind, Mike is this master fisherman. And you know why? He, he's got the right equipment. His boat's ready. He's got the, the lines and the poles and the right bait to use. He studies the tide schedule. He talks to the other fishermen and says, hey, where are they biting? Where should we go? <laughs> and then when you get to go on Mike's boat, he takes you to the right areas so you can find fish. And so, you know, I, I love being around Mike anyway, even when we're not fishing. But getting to be on his boat kind of in his domain, it's really neat to kind of see a, a master at work, right? Well... Today, uh, we're going to get into Galatians chapters 3 and 4, and we're going we're gonna to get to hear from and, and appreciate uh, kind of a master of theology. That's the Apostle Paul. And last week, uh, Pastor Ben, I thought he did a great job of uh, demonstrating kind of Paul's bona fides, you know, how prepared and, and equipped 
Paul was to lead the early church. You know, this is a really educated man. He was a lawyer. He was a, a Jew. Then he became a Christian and really threw himself into studying who Jesus was and the message of hope in Christ. And then he had other uh, disciples that jumped in with him to go bring this message to the early church and help build churches in places like Galatia, which is near modern-day Turkey. Um, this is part of our five-part series, and uh, Paul is reminding us in this letter that we have a freedom in Jesus Christ. Pastor Ben reminded us of this. And, and in fact, we are set free to live free in Jesus, aren't we? We're also going to learn about how in Christ, that you and I, we are a part of a beautiful, multi-ethnic, diverse family of faith, uh, both here on earth right now and in the heaven to come. You know, last week we read about how passionate Paul was and how personally he called out these people of Galatia uh, to be people that follow Jesus and put their trust in him. We learn that faith is personal uh, because it is rooted in the person of Jesus. Well, today in Galatians chapters 3 and 4, I think we will see that Paul, that he was truly the expert. He was truly that master of theology. Um, he was gifted in so many ways. He was a true defender of uh, the, the gospel message and, and of, of God's uh, message of hope. We'll see that Paul, he uses a solid biblical teaching to steer people back to the heart of the good news of who Jesus was. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for being with us today. Uh, thank you that we could still gather uh, together in person one more Sunday here at Dallas Church. Uh, thank you for all of our online friends that are faithfully uh, st staying with us and, and being present and being uh, such an important part of this church family uh, these last many months. Uh, God, help us as we dig into your word. Challenge us as we hear from Paul, uh, this master of theology, and his message to the Galatians. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, so if you're here or you're at home, go ahead and, and open up your Bible, grab your device, uh, go to Galatians uh, chapter 3. Galatians is in the, the back half of the Bible. It's just past the, the four Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, then comes the Acts, Romans, the two letters to the Corinthians, and then Galatians. Galatians is just six chapters, but these are powerful words that Paul spoke and that we can really glean from. Paul and his kind of right-hand man, Barnabas, uh, they uh, founded the Galatian church a little over 2,000 years ago. And the, the tone of this letter from Paul is very urgent. There's a, there's a challenge and a, and a fiery um, exclamation point behind a lot of Paul's words. And I think we'll see that now as we get into some of the, the early text. Uh, let's pick it up in, in Galatians chapter 3. Uh, this is verse 1. <laughs> Paul, Paul doesn't uh, beat around the bush. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing the faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You know, Paul, he's had it with them. <laughs> he cannot believe the way that they're acting. He calls them fools. And he'll do it again uh, here in a little bit. What, he's saying, why are these people so hung up on these other things? 
Why do they have to add extra stuff to just following Jesus? Can't you hear Paul's frustration with them in just that tone of voice? Have you ever been called out like that? Uh, maybe a boss at work, uh, maybe a parent or a grandparent uh, for something you did. I have many times. <laughs> One of those times I remember, this is about 20 some odd years ago, I was a young, dumb, cocky salesman at Boyd Coffee Company. I thought I was, you know, pretty cool. And one day, I had our regional manager, our vice president for Oregon, uh, working with me. He was going to come jump in my van and go help make deliveries to my customers. So we're together all day. And at one point, we're driving along. And I tell him, I don't even know what it was, but I told him some, some story about how I had handled something for one of my customers. And I laid it all out. I, I thought, he is going to be so impressed with me. Wow, he's just going to be amazed at, at how wise and talented I am, you know, as I demonstrate this, this story. And then when I got to the end, I'm driving, and he's right here. You know, I kind of look over at him, and the look on his face was, was not good. He, he was not impressed with my story at all. <laughs> he he kind of took a big, deep breath, and he looked at me, and he said, you know, Jeff, after hearing this tale of yours he says that tells me one of two things he says one you're stupid or two you don't care <laughs> and, I, and you know what looking back I was proud of myself for a very brief moment instead of just instantly reacting to what he said I took a deep breath myself <laughs> and I thought about it I thought you know if I answer that that I don't care well then he can fire me he doesn't need a guy that doesn't care, right? If I say I'm stupid, at least you can teach stupid. Right? Are you with me? <laughs> so that's what I went with. I went with stupid and, and survived the day. And it had, had a lot more years at, at Boyd Coffee after that, thankfully. But uh, I learned a real big lesson. Uh, this was someone that had, you know, the ability to speak into my life. They were, that was my boss. Uh, I was young and, and foolish. Uh, and they, they called me out, and I needed that. I needed to be challenged in that way at that moment to rethink my approach to, to my job and my life. <laughs> but uh, that was important. And maybe that's happened for you. Uh, maybe it was uncomfortable at the time, but as you look back, you can see how, oh, wow, you know, that, that moment, that person, you know, God really kind of taught me something valuable uh, in that time. Um, Let's continue on as we get into uh, Galatians. This is chapter, oh, no, we've done that. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, the next part. Chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, getting all excited here. So chapter 4, verse 8, Paul continues on. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Uh, verse 9, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. Let me read that again. Paul says to this early church in Galatia, these kind of newer Christians that they've spent some time with and now they've, they've actually traveled on, they're, they're at a different spot and kind of writing back to them in this letter. He says, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? 
Verse 10, he says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. (laughs) So you can just again hear his frustration, you know, with these people. One of the commentaries on Galatians uh, talks about how, uh, how harsh Paul is with his language, with his actual rhetoric that he uses in this letter. You know, apparently these people of Galatia, they were known for some things uh, in their worldly way. They were pretty impressed with their, their own uh, religion and their ideas of that. Uh, they were known also for their Greek imports and artifacts and things that they, they brought into to their society. And, and they also were known for their cults that would become kind of ridiculous and misguided and all these things. They, they were really a, kind of a stubborn people that, that were heavily influenced by these other things going on all around them. Well, does that, does that remind you of us a little bit? I mean, at times we get so distracted, don't we, on some of the wrong stuff. See, Paul is fired up with them, and the reason is he had spent time with them. He knew that they knew better. He cared deeply for them. He loved them, and he was urging them to kind of get back on track. In verse 9, he does give them credit for how they have come to know God. He says in verse 9, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. So he's, he's acknowledging that they know. They've been through the training. They, they know the, the right thing to do. And now they kind of need this correction. They need to be rebuked a little bit. But then, um, you know, the, the, the big thing with him, again, in, in verse 9 he says, uh, again, you're going back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. So Paul is just saying, look, you know the right way, and you know what? You know better than this. You can be better than this. In verse 20, again, he kind of scores this point. Uh, Verse 20 of chapter 4, Paul says, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, (laughs) for I am perplexed about you. (laughs) So he, he is clearly puzzled with them in the way that they are behaving. He knows he's coming on strong and hitting them right over the head with the truth. And even though that we could see, it sounds like they needed this, that this was kind of, kind of building up. You know, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy for your boss to, to ask you if you're stupid or you don't care. <laughs> it wasn't easy for these Galatian people to basically be told by Paul in this section, you are a fool, you know better, and that's why I'm yelling at you. <laughs> but listen, Paul is a complicated leader. Uh, just like we were talking about Michael Jordan and, and, and Chef Rachel Ray and uh, some of these famous people. They've got egos. Uh, they've got agendas. Uh, they've got tempers. And they can be difficult, can't they? It can, it can be hard to, to follow a leader like that. Can you imagine maybe trying to do ministry with, with the Apostle Paul if you were Barnabas or, or uh, John Mark? You know, at one point, we read about this in Acts chapter 15, Barnabas gets so frustrated with Paul, he leaves him. <laughs> and, and you can kind of understand, Paul was probably less than gracious at times with those around him. You know? And again, he's a man, he's not Jesus. So even, even masters are not perfect. You know, Paul, he just wanted so much for these Galatian Christians to embrace the fact that they were children of promise by faith alone. For you and I, our reality as Christ followers right now in 2020, 
yes, even this chaotic, insane 2020 that we're living through together, is we can go directly to God the Father, our Abba Father, and have that relationship with him. And remember, as we've read earlier with the Galatians, and, and been reminded by Pastor Ben in the last couple of weeks, we are set free to live free. You and I have so much more than most of the world when it comes to our freedoms and how we can actually live our life, worship the God that we want to, live where we want to live, take the job that we want to, marry who we want to marry, so many different things that, that, we, we are, that we're blessed because we were born here and we have those things in our life. Let's keep reading. Uh, in one of Paul's other letters in Romans, in chapter 5, verse 15, if you want to turn there, Paul really gets into this idea of freedom. So Romans 5, 15 says this, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Let me read that last part again. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Uh, verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Amen. My friends, my family, uh, brothers and sisters, do you hear these words today that Paul is speaking to us to? We have a free gift in Christ. We have abundance. We have grace. Thank goodness for grace right now. And we have justification. We are justified. We are good enough through one man, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, some of you here in the building today and, and online too, you may be hearing this and, and thinking about this idea of these uh, masters in, in their field, these great athletes and artists and chefs and people, and then again, the Apostle Paul, this, this master of theology and how educated and experienced and and amazing they were with their, their gift and their understanding. And you might be saying, you know, gosh, I, I don't know the Bible like that. I don't know about, about following Jesus and prayer and being part of a church family. And I don't, I'm, I'm not good at any of this. And maybe you're early on or you just haven't had the chance to, uh, to really dig into that. Well, you know what? That's the beautiful thing about uh, a church family is that we've got veterans around us. We have spiritual veterans right here in our church family. And, and they're ready to speak truth into our life, to help show us the right way. You know, I was blessed for many years here at Dallas Church uh, to have some of those people around me. And, and one of the guys I would gravitate to often was Frank Barnett. And, and Frank, you know, whether I was meeting him on a Monday morning for a Bible study at 6 a.m. Uh, or we were here for a leadership meeting of some kind, you would come to Frank and and, you know, let him know your troubles or, or your concerns or what you needed prayer for. And, and Frank would look at you with those direct eyes and that great firm handshake always hurt my hand afterward and stuff. 
but he would, he would tell you and reassure you that, you know what, it's about surrendering to Jesus and that Jesus loves you so much and that he's going to help us get through this. And man, that, that spoke life to me. And, and maybe for you, you need to hear that right now from somebody that has experience following Jesus. We've got some people like that here around Dallas Church. Uh, and we'd love to, to pray with you, to encourage you. Um, if you're online, I, I encourage you to um, uh, ask a question or, or comment with your uh, online chat host. Uh, let them know if you need some, uh, some help there and some encouragement. Uh, because we're not alone. We're a family of faith, and we've got people at kind of all different experience levels. And that's, that's a big part of our job as Christ followers, uh, to help each other along, to encourage each other in those right ways. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm appreciative of, of that heritage that we have here at Dallas Church. And again, that's part of our, our culture that we're building too, where we, we have a respect for those veterans, uh, real veterans and, and the spiritual kind too. <laughs> it's great when you get somebody that's, that's both those things. Um, but let's get real for a moment. Paul is being tough on the Galatians, and maybe he's being tough on you and I today through this series, uh, through these verses. Sometimes you and I, we need to be challenged. We need that kick in the butt, don't we? Whether you're here in the building with us or you're online at home, I want to ask you some questions. And be honest for a minute as we go through the, these last parts of the sermon. How confident are you in your theology? What do you think truly saves you? Do you think that your good behavior makes you better than other people or more worthy of God's love? You know, we hear that a lot, don't we? Well, I, I try to do the right thing most of the time. <laughs> Is that what Paul's talking about, though? Does that save us? No, it's, it's our faith in Jesus. That's enough right there, isn't it? It doesn't matter how good we are. How, here's a good one, how inclusive are you of other people that don't look like you, who don't vote like you, or that don't behave like you? or the way that you think someone should behave. Gosh, who, who made us judges, you guys? You know, the Bible says that, that judgment is, is for the Lord. You and I don't have to be so judgmental. Why is it that, that we come up with, why, why do I come up with the Jeff standard for how you're all supposed to act? Jesus doesn't teach that at all. I don't know where we get these, these crazy ideas sometimes. But, but that's an important set of questions, isn't it? And I'm asking myself, too, how inclusive are we with someone that wasn't raised like us, doesn't look like us, doesn't have our education or our, maybe the blessing that we have from our family line, uh, that doesn't vote like us or, or behave like us? I challenge you this week to chew on that. And finally, are, are you being exclusive with who you call uh, a fellow Christ follower, who you might call a brother or a sister in, in, in Christ? You know, churches get accused often of being a, a cozy country club. That we've got our members, we've got our group, and we're good. Right? We're not real open to, to new faces and new folks. And that's wrong. Jesus and, and, and Paul and these early disciples, that was never their intent. Their intent is that all could hear the good news of Jesus. And that job, that falls on you and I now here in 2020. We can, we can reach out to, to, to everyone in our life with this truth and this reality. Because our faith 
as we look to uh, kind of take away here. Our faith, what, what we can do with that is we can build up the family of God. It doesn't stop in these four walls or, or uh, to the limits of where our online uh, technology can reach. Our faith creates this new family. Just imagine for a moment if the reputation of Dallas Church and, and the, the, the Christian church in, in our country, for that matter, could be one of diversity and unity. What if we could truly embrace that in Jesus, that we have all become a part of this beautiful new family? Let us embrace Paul's teaching in Galatians. In uh, chapter 3, verse 28, he exhorts us one more time. He's, he's maybe not quite as frustrated when he says this part, I think. <laughs> he says in, in chapter 3, verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, and heirs in the family. Did you guys hear that? We are all heirs. We all have an inheritance in Christ. Hallelujah. You know, Max Lucado, uh, I, I'm glad of this reminder that he gives us. He says, none of us can help everyone, but all of us can help someone. And when we help them, we serve Jesus. And who would want to miss a chance to do that? Hmm, what great wisdom. I'm going to pray in just a moment, and we're going to have Bob come up in our band but I challenge all of us this week, go back to Galatians. It's just a six-chapter uh, letter. And maybe go through chapter 3 and 4 again and look in the mirror with that. And ask God, God, are you trying to correct me anywhere? Are you trying to, you know, maybe wake me up and help me to see some things about myself and the way that I approach my world and what you're calling me to do for Jesus? That's important. Because this, uh, we can reach out to those who, who really... Uh, need to and want to be a part of this, this family of faith. They want to hear that hope, that peace, that joy that you and I have. Uh, that, that, that's not exclusive. This is not a, a country club. This, this family of God is open for business, and we can share that with everyone around us. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, thank you, Jesus, for this challenging and inspiring word from Galatians. Lord, I pray for each person here in our building. Uh, for everyone here online with us, uh, maybe in their home or in their car, on their device right now, uh, God, remind them of how much you love them, uh, of how you died on the cross for them and, and paid the ultimate price for them to have a new life with you. Uh, God, help us this week, challenge us uh, to be better followers of Christ, to live for you and to turn and to share you with someone near us and grow your family, to build uh, the family of faith. I pray this all in, in Jesus' name. Amen.